0: Breaking the Stigma of Addiction. This is Zach's Life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both both inside and and outside outside of of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation.
1: Good morning, Trish. Thank you for uh, joining me this morning.
0: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: Everyone, Hey, this is an exciting time, so those of you listening on the podcast... this will be available on a YouTube uh, video as well. And uh, because I'm going to be 60 next month, that means everything that I do with any kind of technology is greatly challenged. So uh, (laughs) hey, this is going to be fun and exciting for uh, everybody, or at least for us. (laughs) Anyway, Trish, uh, I want to introduce uh, Trish Simonson. Uh, Trish has written a book. Trish, I'm going to let you just kind of introduce yourself and, and introduce your, your book title. And then I'm just going to interrupt you from time to time. And, uh, uh, I just really want everybody to hear your story. Um, uh, you know, I want you to tell us about your son. I I want to hear about him. And, uh, and, and I think in the, in the, in the mission of, of, Of of our foundation about ending the stigma of addiction, I think there's also several other uh, uh, stigmas and and mental health issues and other crises that co-mingle with that. That I think uh, I think our audience is going to recognize and understand. And just the more that we talk about this, I think the better opportunity we have of 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 just making things better in in our world today. So so Trish, please. uh, the floor is yours
0: well thank you Jam, and i am so glad that we uh, met through a mutual friend of ours melanie warner from defining moments publishing um she has just really got me connected with a lot of great people like you um unfortunately we belong to the same club we have both lost a child Uh, So that is um, not, not usually the way I like to meet friends, but I've met so many wonderful people and probably the strongest people I've ever met in my life is uh, parents that have lost children. So Mm -hmm. it's an honor to be here and I just love what you're doing in honor of Zach's life. But um, I wrote a book uh, this last year called The Road Back to You, Finding Your Way After Losing a Child to Suicide. And I lost my son, Caden, May 8th, 2015. He was 15 years old. Uh, We had no idea that he was suicidal. He was an honor roll student. He was popular. Uh, He was well-liked by teachers, by staff. Um, He was an athlete. He was a good student, honor roll student, actually. Um, He loved uh, good food. He always took care of his body. He didn't even drink things with caffeine in them. Uh, All he always wanted organic food. Um, He checked the labels, you know, so he wasn't he wasn't anybody that you would think that would take their life. And I always tell people that, um, you know, suicide doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter how good of a family you came from. Doesn't matter how good your finances are. Suicide has no boundaries, and it can affect everybody, just as you know, with drug addiction. It's the same thing. There's just no boundaries. Nobody is safe from these things. And um, so I left for a meeting on May 8th, 2015, and I came home two hours later and found that my son had shot himself, and it, it was... I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe what was happening. And um, that started our lives on a very, oh, very difficult journey. Um, but I decided that um, Kaden's life just wasn't going to be in vain. And so I kind of hit the ground running with my husband with suicide prevention and awareness. And um, I would talk to anybody. I talked to the governor of Wyoming. Um, I talked to the school board. I talked to the city of Gillette. I, I talked to newspapers, magazines, anybody that would listen. Um, I wasn't afraid to share our story. I wasn't embarrassed because I knew that there were so many other people out there that had gone through the same things that we had.
1: So, so Trish, let, uh, let me go back just a little bit. Caden didn't didn't exhibit any any signs, overt signs of severe depression, or I mean, and you say he was 15, right? So he was yep. a teen, he was a teenager. So anything that came up just was like normal teenage stuff.
0: Yeah, no, he and um, we and when we got his phone back uh, a couple months later after the police released it there were texts, um, that he had been sending one person that he was thinking about taking his life and it wasn't his best friend. It wasn't, um, it, it was just so strange because he reached out to this young lady and, uh, was sending her messages and he, she was the only one that knew, and she never said anything. And that's part of our mission too, is to get people to say something, you know, especially youth, um, because people that are suicidal usually share with at least one person. And, um, she was that person and she decided to keep it a secret and not tell anybody.
1: How was she also a, a young teenager as well?
0: Yeah, she was also 15. And so I think a lot of times they think that they don't want to betray their friend. Um, right. And I've heard that a lot from kids. And I tell them, okay, do you want to betray them or do you want to go to a funeral? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's because eventually that person's going to forgive you, um, especially if they have the opportunity to live, you know. Yeah, and
1: and that's, you, you know, uh, Trish, that's a a, a similar Issue that we have, and I, I think this is where this is where the, the stigma paths cross uh, between you know what what you and I have both dealt with, uh, is that it's it's such a taboo subject how you're feeling. Obviously, even though Caden wasn't uh, exhibiting any any feelings of depression, they were still something was there underlying, right? Mm-hmm. There was something yep. there that that we don't know what it is where he's willing to talk to someone who's not even his best friend. Right. And, uh, you know, about the deepest, darkest parts, but yet we, and, and Zach passed, you know, and, and his best friends, you know, house that night and he walked away and let him die, you know, <laughs> and because they're afraid of getting in trouble or, y- you know, they're, they're caught up in, and it's, uh, and other people had been on the phone that night, you know, you know, Facetiming and saying, "Wow, Zach doesn't look very good. Maybe you should call someone." You know, but no one wants to reach out. We're so, there, again, there's so much stigma. I think that's a, that's attached to those to those things. And and I think a lot of those conversations have to start with discussions like this. They have to start with discussions in the home where so every family, every parents every dinner table, they can talk about these things, and they're not taboo subjects. We want to believe, I know that I want to believe that this is something that could never happen to me, so it was never even on my radar, right? And I have to take responsibility for that, but like you, I want to make sure that that other people are going to hear the message, right? And I'm going to encourage them to, to talk about that. So in your book or in discussions that you've had with like you said, with anyone that'll listen to you, how do you encourage people to, to to talk about this subject?
0: You know, um, I'm very boisterous. And so I never wanted anybody to feel uncomfortable around me when um when they saw me, you know, because after Caden died, as you know, probably after Zach died, people just don't know what to say. Right. And and they just are awkward and everything and you know, I was just very honest. I was just, and I I was just very honest. And I would tell people, you know what? You're not going to remind me of, you're not going to remind me that I've lost my son, you know, because they they don't want to say anything to you. And um, you you think about your child every single moment of the day, every
1: moment of every day.
0: Yes. And I mean, and it's just and it never stops. It doesn't matter if you're sitting with friends at a barbecue, or you're driving down the road, or you're exercising, or you're at work, your child is the forefront of your mind every single day and I am just very open about it I I I just will talk to anybody about suicide and um and if I'm concerned about anybody that is maybe having some a rough time I just ask them are you okay are you thinking about hurting yourself You know, and I have a Facebook page called Live for Tomorrow. And um I talk about suicide on there quite frequently. And you know, it's okay to get help and and it's the bravest thing you'll ever do is ask for help. Because if you decide to go on with your life and face your struggles and try to overcome your struggles or your addiction or whatever's causing you to struggle in life, that is so much more strength than just deciding to end it all. So that to me is like the epitome of being strong is deciding to to overcome those struggles and find a way to help with your depression or whatever mental health issue you're having or addiction. So that to me is strength. And and so I'm just very boisterous about it. I I don't I don't have any qualms. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So, so, Trish, in in looking back now, and and again, I can only imagine for you, and I know for me, especially the first year, gosh, I would I would replay, you know, thousands of scenarios every day of what I could have done differently. What you know, if and now and now that I've had an opportunity to look back, there are you know many places where where I think, well, that was probably a sign and I missed it. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this was something that I, you know, labeled as just normal uh, teenage behavior. Uh, but you know what? It really was a little out of the ordinary. You know, this was some, you know, this was a warning signal. Uh, you know, I know like, you know, for Zach, you know, uh, growing up, he had, you know, uh, ADD, uh, he was diagnosed with a, an obsessive compulsive disorder early on in, in his, you know, in his early childhood and, and all those, while none of those lead to addiction, those are all precursors of things that can, you know, that can add up. And then, and then when his mild depression set in, that was another thing that added into it. Right. Then we changed schools. That was another thing. You know, so there were all these things that, that continued to add that any of those by themselves weren't an issue altogether, they put him at risk, but mm-hmm. Those are things that we didn't even see or notice. Is there anything now that you've looked back because you've had several years now too, I'm, I'm sure again, like like you say, we think about them all the time and think about all the scenarios. Are there things that you look back now and you say, "Wow, that that might have been something." And I just want I, I want other parents to hear you know what what may be an issue that they don't even perceive as an issue or that they cover up because I always wanted to think the best of Zach right no matter what when he came home drunk that one night it was like oh this is what teenagers do and I just wiped it away right I didn't even even consider it uh, you know after I had you know grounded him for six months (laughs) you know for me it was over right instead of thinking about it anyway I just wondered if, if that's anything that's that's crossed your mind
0: you know I had one thing that Caden said to me Oh, probably a few weeks before he took his life. And he said to me, mom, I don't have any friends. And it caught me off guard because I'm like, are you kidding me? This kid plays football. He runs track. Um, he sits with 10 kids at the lunch table. He's like this. He, he was always witty and always um, just kind of a humorous, you know, he was always like the one that could uh, get the last word in. Uh, We had kids at our house all the time. Um, Yeah. And so I was like, I looked at him and I said, you have friends. And I never pursued it. And I, and I look back now and I, and I tell parents, you know um, you know, for one, if your child ever tells you they, they don't have any friends, Ask them, say, why do you think you don't have any friends? Instead of like saying, you know, you have friends and just blowing it off. The other thing is, is um, if they, if they tell you, like, I know that kids will just flippantly say, I wish I was dead or um, I, I shouldn't even be here anymore or I don't want to live. I know that as kids, they just will flippantly say those things. And right. Kaden never said those things. But I always tell parents, you know, those are, those are red flags, you know, even though they really, maybe they aren't thinking about suicide, but just ask them, you know, sit down and say, you know, why, why do you think that, you know, Hey, let's have this conversation. Why do you think that you wish you were dead? Or why do you think that you're a burden? Um, And, you know, and then there, there, the other thing is, is the night that I left for that meeting, you know, Caden was 15. He was getting to that little point where if I try to kiss him on the cheek, he'd kind of, you know, (laughs) and, um, and I always had to say, I love you first. And then, um, and then he would say it, you know, but that night when I left for the meeting, he told me, I was just about ready to say, I love you, buddy. That's what I always said to my boys. I love you, buddy. And, um, he said it first, he said, I love you, mama. And it, and it kind of took me off guard, Wow! you know, because I thought, oh, he said it first, you know, and I talk about that in the book, how it caught me off guard that, um, I was just about ready to say, I love you, buddy. I'll see you tonight. And he beat me to it. And he said, I love you, mama. And I just, I had no idea that he was, um, telling me goodbye. And so I just, I just ask parents, you know, just be really in tune to the, to this, to the clues that your children are giving you just really in tune. Um, be in tune if they are frustrated, be in tune if they say they don't have any friends, um, be in tune if if you notice that they stop taking a shower or washing their hair, or wanting to, you know, not wanting to get out of their pajamas, things like that, you know, um, Kaden never did those things. But I know that you know that a lot of people do show very, very prominent signs of depression.
1: Well, and it, it, you know, Trish and, and part of uh, part of my memories uh as as I think back are are times where I it's not that I didn't take seriously what what Zach said, but I did I I minimized. I think I minimized a lot. And I think that's easy as 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 parents uh because it's hard it's hard to give it's hard to give full weight and attention to everything they say, especially if you have a child that talks a lot, right? I mean, oh my gosh, that would be a, that would be a full-time job, right? Just in itself, Uh, you know, and and that wasn't Zach, but I think, I think as a, as a dad, I thought of him once he was 13, 14 years old, that's when I started working almost full-time, right? You know, and he got a job at 14 or 15. And so I just kind of, Hey, you know what? You're becoming a man. You need to kind of just own your stuff and, you know, and, and, you know, and, 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 work through it and Hey, buddy, I'm here if you need me. And, and I, okay. I kind of, I think I put a lot of that weight just on him, right. To, to, uh, you know, to, to figure that stuff out. And I think a lot of people have their own careers that they're working with too. I know, uh, I mean, you know, my career was, was, uh, since Zach was in first grade, I was a stay at home dad, but, Now, all of a sudden, I had some time to, you know, you know, follow through on, you know, everything we did together was like kind of like a hobby that I wanted to do, too. So while I wanted him included, it was about it was about my life. I still wanted to live. I still wanted to live my life. You know, you know, now all I can think about is, gosh, how did living my life get in the way of me recognizing, you know, maybe what some of the issues were with him? And but I I think with with parents, we want just a normal life. We're happy with status quo. We're happy with things flowing on. Hey, when, when great things happen with our kids, we want to celebrate with them, you know, but, but, you know, dude, I got golf every Saturday. So, you know, don't mess up my Saturdays. You know, we have, we have people coming over tonight and, and, you know, and so whatever it is, you're saying it can wait till tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I can see, I can see some of those things happening in, in my life. And I see that kind of as normal with my, with my other friends and how you know families operate. And it's not that we don't do vacations together and we don't do a lot of stuff together, but I did not always put Zach first in everything that I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was close. He was there. He was a part of it. You know, and what do you do when you have a whole family, when you have more, Zach was our only child, you know, if you have other children, you know, I mean, everybody needs time, everyone needs energy. So I think that that's, a, I, I, I think paying attention to things that are out of the, that are out of the norm, or at any time that, you, that your child says something to you, in the time that they're speaking with you, being fully in that moment. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think if. You know, when I think to myself all the time, if I could have a redo,
0: yeah, a uh, definitely.
1: That would be it. I yeah. would, I would do everything I could to be fully in the moment with Zach whenever he was at a place where he wanted to, where he wanted to share. I mean, t- teenagers, especially, especially past a certain point, was Zach, he wasn't, he didn't want to share a lot, right? So when he did want to, those were the times when I really, uh, I regret yeah. not making that connection. No matter, no matter how important whatever was happening with me. And, and don't get, I, I get it. There are things that are important for families and and in, in, in careers and in our lives and with our other children that don't just involve this child. I, I, I get that. But I could have done, I'm saying I could have done a better job of being fully engaged. Yeah. So, that was kind of my, 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 you know, my takeaway of that. And it was enough when he, when he said, I love you, mom, it was different, mm-hmm. right? How do we pay attention to those, you know, to, to those, to those differences, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that was.
0: Yeah. And ours, oh, it, ours was kind of opposite of, you know, like Caden was our youngest, and so he spent a lot of time going to like his older siblings thing, you know, and um, and so after Ashley graduated and Cole graduated and then we had Caden, um, Mike and I, we were like, you know what? We've got we've got four more years with Caden and we are actually three because he was in ninth grade. I said, let's just let you know Well, let's just spend as much time as we can with him. And he knew, Caden knew that we were saving up our vacation time. We were saving up our time off. We were saving up everything so we could spend these last three years making it to every one of his games, his track meets. Even though we did very good at making those things, there were we we had to miss them. We couldn't, we couldn't take off all the time. Right. And- we were planning vacations. He knew we'd we'd already planned vacations for that summer. Um, we were planning on going to see a San Diego Charger game. That's his favorite football team. We were planning a trip to Mexico. So he knew all these things that were happening. And he knew that mom and dad, even though mom and dad always loved him and always um, took care of him and were always a big part of his life and he was a big part of ours, he was going to be the focal point of our life for the next three years, the total focal point. And I struggled with that. I was like, I I couldn't understand. Like I was, I was trying to figure out, well, did he not want to spend time with us? Did he not want to do those things with us? Did he not want to stay on this earth so that we could enjoy being together and so I really struggled with that a lot after he died because he just knew that we were we were doing everything we could to spend as much time with him as possible, and that was heartbreaking.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. Trish, t- tell us a little bit in the, in the last few minutes that we have here together. Uh, Tell us about tell us about your book. Tell us about what your recovery has been like, uh, you know and, and, and the message that you're wanting to share now.
0: Well, I to be honest, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty hard read because it's it's just raw. Uh, there, there is no sugarcoating this book. I want people to know what suicide truly, truly does to families. Um, I want I want people to know what it does to families emotionally spiritually physically financially and hopefully it can even touch people who are thinking about taking their lives and if anything they'll get help so that they don't put their family through this and then eventually find their way into wanting to stay here on the planet and um, have a future because Caden's suicide about destroyed every part of our lives um, I myself struggled with, uh, suicidal ideation and wanted to, um, wanted to die. Like I, uh, I, I had severe, severe trauma, severe PTSD. Um, if you can imagine finding your child after they have shot themselves with a hunting rifle, um, that is that is something that I just, I really struggled with. Um, I had, I, I just had severe anxiety, severe depression, severe PTSD. Um, I lived very erratically for the first year. I drank all the time. Um, I just was very angry and volatile. Um, I almost divorced my husband. I completely didn't forget about my two other children, but um, they were on their own and they were adults. And so that was my thing. I was like, they're adults. They can take care of themselves. You know, they, they can do this on their own. And that is, that's something I really regret is not being there for my two other children. And, uh, they kind of had to look out for me because my husband was afraid that I was going to take my life every time he walked out the door to go to work. And so he always had the kids watching me. Um, I finally did after four years after Caden died. I made it through EMDR therapy, uh, which I would recommend for anybody who has suffered a tragic loss or trauma. It, it just, it helped me get that visual out of my head. It helped me learn how to deal with my triggers. Um, I still have things that happen, but I know how to deal with them. I don't, I don't just break down and fall on my face in public anymore, <laughs> which is good. Um, and so I did do EMDR therapy and then, uh, I, and then I, I found my faith again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and, uh, and I hated God. I hated him so bad. And, um, and part of me wanted to die. I know this sounds weird, but, You have to remember, I was struggling with a a lot of um, a lot of trauma, but part of me wanted to die so that I could I could see God and I could tell Him what a terrible terrible entity He was, and uh, that He had no right to take my son or allow my son to take his own life. So I really struggled with that. So this book is is kind of, um, from tragedy to triumph. I, I did manage to get through my trauma, um, very successfully. I did manage to find my faith again. Um, I think I have a better relationship with God now be, than I did before. Uh, I'm still angry with him, but that's okay. You know, he can take it. He's got big shoulders and, um, and it's just, it, It's a book about how I learned to live life again, how I was able to find joy. So I just, um, and how I found that joy, but I can't tell you because that's in the book. (laughs) I would give it away. But uh, yeah, so I want people to know that even through the most tragic thing that ever happened in my life, that I had to accept it. I had to accept that Caden was gone, that he will never be back, and I could either get, uh, be better, or I could get better, and I chose better.
1: Wow, well, uh, I, I am, uh, I'm still on that path, I'm still on that journey, so, uh, you know, your, your story, uh, Trish gives me, you know, gives me some hope, you know, for sure, and you're doing uh,
0: great things, Jim, you are doing great things, (laughs) so,
1: and, uh, So anyway, and I, I want to uh, remind people again, uh, your book is The Road Back to You, Finding yes. Your Way After Losing a Child to Suicide. And so oh, there it, it is right, right there. Here. Fantastic. Fantastic. And and people can find that on Amazon or wherever they f- find their, uh, their books. Excellent. Yep. Yes.
0: Amazon. And then it's on um, a lot of the uh, Kindle uh, where you can buy digital books. You know, like Barnes and Noble and, yeah. and things like that. So it's on there, and then I can also be found on Facebook um, at Live for Tomorrow. So it's Live the number four, the number two, and then Tomorrow. And I post inspirational things. Um, you know, I just want people to know. You know, even though today's bad, just live for tomorrow because it's gonna it's gonna eventually get better.
1: Fantastic. So I would I would really encourage. Anyone listening today, if if, uh, if if you if you have any challenges in this line, please please uh, seek out a, a Trish. Get to her Facebook. Uh, get a hold of her book. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, uh, Trish, for joining us uh, today. It's thank such a, such a pleasure, uh, and and I look forward to many more meetings with you in the future for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You bet. And uh, as I always say, uh, today, find someone uh, that, you're, that you're close to and uh, tell them that you love them. I'm Zach Stan. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org.